You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Today we're going to be continuing through our sermon series, A Great Cloud of Witnesses, and uh, hopefully getting inspiration for our faith from Abraham himself. And he's actually going to be the subject of interest uh, for the next couple of weeks through our sermon series as we learn all about how he moved from his home to follow after God in obedience through faith. And so it's going to be good. And uh, speaking of moving, a year and a half ago, Audrey and I, we put our house up for sale. We cleaned it thoroughly and then proceeded to pack up all our belongings just so that we could move to a different house. Um, But anyone who's moved will agree with me when I say that it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, right? There was an announcement this morning that someone is moving, and um, you guys should help whoever that is because (laughs) it's a lot of work. We all need help when we're moving. Uh, And I'm I'm definitely blessed, though, because I know a lot of you guys uh, were there helping us when we we moved last year, so thanks thanks for that. Uh, But at the end of the day, when when we'd finally finished moving all of our stuff and and got the beds built and all that kind of stuff, I, I remember Audrey and I just looking at each other just exhausted and tired and just saying, you know, almost at the same time, we are never, ever going to do that again, at least not for a long time. Of course, you know, we still felt that, uh, you know, all that packing and cleaning and back pain and even the stress of, of, of showing our house to potential buyers and whatnot, it was still worth it in the end because we knew where we were moving to. We knew how much we were looking forward to live in the house that we're in right now. And uh, we're thankful for that. But, but, but the question this morning is, would I have been willing to do all of that work Again, packing up everything I own, going through the exhausting rigmarole of selling our house. Would I have been willing to do that if I had had no solid plan or even a clue as to where I was going or going to go live next? Would any of you be willing to do that? Pack up all your stuff and leave your home behind without any knowledge of where you're going? It would be quite the risk, wouldn't it? Yeah? But yet, that's exactly what Abraham did. That's exactly what Abraham did. Hebrews 11, 8 to 10. Let's read this. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So to summarize, God chooses to show up in Abraham's life for no apparent reason except to make him a promise. And God says to him, I want to bless you to be a blessing. So get up and go to a place I will show you. And Abraham, who still went by Abram and was 75 years old at that time, he does it. 
He does it. He packs up all his stuff and his family, and he leaves his home behind for good, even though he had absolutely no clue as to where he was going. God knew where he was going. He did it. Talk about having trust, right? That's a lot of trust. Abraham displays for us here that faith listens to and trustfully follows God, even when the full picture isn't clear to us. In fact, let's, let's jump back into Genesis. Let, let's take a look at the, the, the fuller account of, of God's call to, to Abraham. Genesis 12. We'll just read from verses 1 to 5. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot, that's his nephew, went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. So again, Abram went, as the Lord had told him, just like that. And can I mention again that Abraham was 75 years old when this happened? 75 years old. How many here are 75 years old? Or close? <laughs> That's my dad right there. Um, we, we often uh, forget... Or, or gloss over that part of the story, right? We, but can you imagine living somewhere for 75 years? All the memories and roots that you've planted and, and friendships and community, 75 years of it, and then just like that, right? Leaving it all behind to go and wander around for years as a stranger in a foreign land living in tents. I'm only 40, and I can barely live in a tent for a weekend until my back reminds me that it's time to go home. And he's 75 years old. So Abraham wasn't just obedient here. He painstakingly sacrificed, didn't he? He took a big risk at, a, at, a, at an old age to leave everything except his family and household behind, right? He left everything except his family and household behind to follow God's command and to trust that God would keep his promise to him. This definitely shows us that we're never too old to do new things or take big risks for God's glory, right? This also shows us that faith not only follows God, but it allows us to take hold of his promise and act on it long before we ever fully receive it. Right? We can take hold of his promise and we can act on it long before we ever fully receive it. And this is because our faith reminds us as well that the one we place our faith in is always faithful to us. And that when he makes a promise, we know that it will come to pass. As it says in Joshua 21.45, Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Not one promise failed. All came to pass. This is our God, right? God's, God's future promises are as sure as if we were receiving it in that moment. And so by faith, Abraham took hold of it, 
like he'd already received it. He took hold of God's promise and went as if it was already his. And and this is the attitude we're called to have in faith. Through Jesus, God has promised us the kingdom. He's promised us his, his blessing, treasures in heaven, eternal life, all things we've yet to experience in full, but yet we're called to live as if we've already received them in full. And we can. On that end, let, let's talk about God's promises to Abraham and, and what they mean for him and what they mean for us. First, God says to him, I will show you a land whereupon you'll become a great nation. I'm just summarizing here, but that's the, the summary of what he says to him. I will show you a land where you will become a great nation. Of course, the initial fulfillment of this specific land of promise is found in the nation of Israel, the land of milk and honey, which was currently inhabited by the Canaanites at the time a land which God's people actually wouldn't fully possess until after the Exodus, which is over 400 years and many, many, many generations later when Joshua finally leads them across the Jordan River. Which means that Abraham was shown the land. God showed him the land. He was in it. And God said, this is the land you'll get. But he actually never fully possessed it himself. And so does this mean that God didn't fulfill his promise? Not at all. For one, his descendants did receive the land, and he did make them into a great nation, just as he had promised. But even more than that, the the book of Hebrews, the passage that we read this morning, explains to us that Abraham was actually looking towards and hoping and waiting for a more permanent city, which he did receive, which he did inherit. Hebrews 11.10 says, For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose, whose designer and builder is God. He was looking for, forward to a city built on foundations. Does that sound familiar? We always sing about who, who our foundation is, right? And, Mo, and, and Abraham's looking for a city that's built on foundations. That is a city that will last. As it says in 1 Corinthians 3.11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he's thinking of the new Jerusalem, not just Jerusalem. So faith allowed Abraham to understand that God's promise wasn't just for today, wasn't just for tomorrow, but it's for eternity. It pointed him to the promise of Jesus Christ who would usher in the full kingdom of God and the new Jerusalem. And so this knowledge and assurance of hope gave him the perseverance to go, gave him the perseverance to wait for it. How many of us are willing to wait? How many of us are willing to wait for God's promises instead of just wanting it right now? Sometimes we're getting frustrated at God because we didn't get it right now. Right? This is a huge staple of what faith is. But we'll have more on that next week. You'll have to wait. The second thing God promises Abraham is that he'll be blessed and that his name will be made great. Also that he can be a blessing to others. We can't leave that last part out. That's, that's, that's the important part. He'll be blessed and his name will be made great. Why? So that he can be a blessing to others. In this day and age, those whose names are considered great usually use their status 
to force people to bless or serve them, don't they? They lord over those who, who are, quote-unquote, less than them. But already here in Genesis 12, God is displaying to us what true greatness looks like. To bless, to serve, to lift others up with the truth. We're blessed by God. That, that's, what, that's the nation of Israel. That's what the nation is, of Israel is supposed to do. Bless other nations. We are blessed by God as well. That is known by him, filled with his presence, his spirit. Why? For our own sake? So that we can arrogantly walk around saying we're better than everyone? No. To bless others. To bless others. To put it negatively, if you're not blessing others, you're not in God. Or you're not following him, at least. Jesus proclaims in Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you shall be your servant. This is greatness. And of course, Jesus is referring to himself here first and foremost, who, who is the glorious son of God, who came into creation, humbled himself, came into creation, not to be served, but to serve and be a ransom for many which was fulfilled at the cross. But of course, the book of Philippians calls us to also have the same mind among us, which is ours in Christ Jesus. And so God is already teaching Abraham this. That the reason he's calling him, the reason he's going to make his name great, the reason he's going to be fruitful is not so he can arrogantly lord over other nations or brag about how great he is. No, but so that he can be a blessing to others. So that he can be a blessing. That is so that by faith he can spread the goodness and reality of God to others as God's ambassador or remnant on this earth. He's called to be a caretaker or an image bearer of God's glory and grace. And, and again, this is our calling as believers as well. We are called to be a light, right? To be a city on a hill. We're, we are called to display and, and speak the truth in the midst of a world that's thrown it out with the trash. We're called to be a blessing. To be that remnant of people who model the kingdom in this world. And, and we do that by serving the least. Love God, love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. We do that by serving the least. We are blessed by God to be a blessing, just like Abraham. And the third thing God promises here is that he will bless those who bless him and curse those who curse him. And th this is simply and powerfully a promise that God will look out for Abraham as he goes, right? That when we follow God in faith, he will act mercifully and justly on our behalf he promises to have our back and to protect us and be a shelter for us and to make everything right. And if not today, then certainly when Jesus comes again. In all, it was these very promises. It was these very promises which God spoke to Abraham and Abraham believed them and he grabbed a hold of them through faith. Which shows us again that faith is found when we both listen to God and then do what he says. Listen to God and do what he says. It's, it's really that simple. Abraham shows us this. He heard God and he did what God said. And so while we often raise up Abraham as this, 
this superhero of supernatural ability who seems to demonstrate a kind of faith which is impossible for us today. The truth is that we can and live, we can live and walk by the same faith. For God is still speaking to us today, primarily through his word, right? Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing, listening, and how do we listen? And hearing through the word of Christ. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes from listening to God, and we listen to God by reading his word, by listening to his word, by being attentive to his word. So if we want to be able to walk in faith like Abraham, we need to be in the word. How many times have I talked to someone, oh, my faith is wavering. Do you read your Bible? No. That's the problem right there. If we want to be able to walk in faith like Abraham, we need to be in the word. We need to have ears to hear what God, through the Holy Spirit, is speaking to us through it. And the more we do, the more we'll understand the promises, and the more we'll be able to go in faith as the Lord calls us, just like Abraham did. In fact, that call on Abraham to leave his his past behind to follow after God as sojourners in a, in a strange land in order to inherit the promise of blessing is really the same call which Jesus gives us. In one of Peter's letters, he calls us strangers and exiles, right? But in, in Luke 9, 57, 62, this is, this is where he gets the idea from. It, it's, it says, as they were going along the road, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. This is what Abraham did. So this guy's probably like, I'm going to be like Abraham. I'm going to follow Jesus wherever He goes, and Jesus said to him, this is what it looks like, right? Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And to another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This walk of faith is is leaving the past behind and looking forward to what lies ahead with our eyes on Christ. Philippians 3, 13 to 14 puts it like this. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Too many of us are being hindered because we're holding on to the weight and the cares of the past, past experiences, past trauma, past dreams that we've had that are long gone, get over them, past shames that we've had. We're holding on to these things. Get rid of them. In Jesus' name, get rid of them. Lay them down at the cross so you can look forward to what's ahead, so you can live this life that you're called to live. Jesus' call for us is is just like God's call to Abram. We're called to surrender. Not dwell on on the past, to surrender the past, to leave our past behind and follow him as sojourners and exiles in a world that's not our own. We're called to live solely for him and for the place he'll show us, which again is 
ultimately the kingdom of God. Historic theologian Andrew Murray writes, are we willing to give up every evil habit, all our own self-will, all that is of the world, and surrender ourselves to be holy and exclusively for Jesus? God cannot take complete possession of a man, bless him so wonderfully, and work in him so mightily unless he has him completely and wholly for himself. Happy is the man who is ready for any sacrifice. So we see Abraham sacrificed his life in faith. He left it all behind. And it was counted to him as righteousness. That faith was counted to him as righteousness. And Jesus is even better than that. For his perfect sacrifice counted for our righteousness. He sacrificed for us. So are we willing to sacrifice to serve him and others in turn? Are we willing? And the truth is that, that it's the best thing we can do. It's the best thing we can do because to sacrifice our lives to, to God like Abraham did is really just to make ourselves ready for his good and glorious plan to come to fruition in our lives. If we, it, and if we can't sacrifice, if we don't go and trust, we won't fully experience what God wants to give us and do in us today, and tomorrow. And, and, and in Christ, we are meant for more than just wasting our lives doom-scrolling on Instagram or, or wasting our lives in a sea of doubt or whatever is cool right now, right? We are, we are meant for more than that. In, in fact, when we're in Christ, we're not only made into a new creation where, where our past sins and old lives are, are forgiven and left behind, never to be mentioned again. We're also grafted into the same covenant promise which God gave Abraham. This place he'll show us and this, and this promise to be blessed becomes securely ours as well. Jesus made sure of it through his death and resurrection. Galatians 3.29 reminds us that if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. We are part of that promise now in Christ, adopted into the family of God. And so again, like Abraham, we're called by Christ to leave everything behind and to go to a place God will show us. When Jesus was uh, about to ascend to heaven, he told his disciples that he's going to go prepare a place for them. Sound like it? God's called to Abraham? We're going to go to a place I will show you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And Thomas says to him, Lord, doubting Thomas, right? Bless his heart. Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how do we know where to go? And Jesus responds to him and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. What this means simply is that to go to a place God will show us 
is to faithfully lay down our lives and follow after Jesus. It's to be led by the spirit of the one who's prepared the way into eternity for us, and he will lead us there if we faithfully follow after him. Which also means that then that as sojourners and exiles in this land, we're, we're not meant to make deep roots here, but again, to live as remnants for him and for the kingdom, to pursue the kingdom first and, and to be a blessing to others in his name until we see and receive God's promise in full. What does Jesus tell us? Seek first the kingdom of God and then all these things shall be added to you. C.S. Lewis comments, if you read history... Sounds boring. Just kidding. Some people love that. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world are precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this world. What this means is that the more we faithfully seek the place he'll show us, that is, the more we seek first the kingdom, the more effective we'll be for Christ's name in this world as a blessing to others while we pass through it. I want to mention one thing, though, in that Abraham wasn't always perfect. We're, we're holding up his faith, shining a light on it, but... He wasn't always perfect, was he? In fact, he messed up a lot. For example, twice he decided to trick Egyptian officials into thinking that his wife Sarah was his sister so that they didn't murder him for her. And so both times they almost accidentally defiled the marriage. He wasn't really trusting God in those moments. But thankfully the Lord was faithful. The Lord was merciful to stop that from happening both times. The reason I'm bringing this up is that, is that this is, is simply an anxiety-reducing reminder for us that faith isn't always going to mean perfection from our end of the deal. But that it will mean perfect faithfulness from God from his end. That we can trust in his promise, not because we're so great, thankfully, but because he is. Again, this is, this is a blessed reassurance for me because I know, and I'll be the first to admit, that in this walk of faith, I sometimes fall short. As a pastor, I, I often fall short. As a father and as a husband, I fall short. And I'm sorry for that. And I'm growing and I'm being sanctified still. But I'm never perfect. I can't do this on my own. And the point here is that God can, and God is perfect, which is, again, why the object of our faith, not the size of our faith, is what matters here. He's the one who comes to us. He's the one who calls us. He's the one who rescues us like he did with Abraham. He's the one who leads us. And so he is faithful to bring our faith to completion. Why would he stop now? As it says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God are yes in Christ. And so through him, our amen is spoken to the glory of God. All the promises are yes in Christ. 
not by me, not by my doing, in Christ, because of what he has done, because of what he is doing in us. So like Abraham then, when when we hear his words and we follow him by faith, we can be confident that he won't give, give up on us even when we stumble, that he will bring us through to the end of the race, that we will inherit the promise because Jesus has already made it ready through the cross. We can be certain that following God by faith, even when we don't know where we're going, is never in vain because Jesus is the way. And so again, generally speaking, or collectively as the body of Christ, we all have this same call to to leave our past behind and our sins behind in Jesus' name so that we can seek the kingdom, so that we can follow after him, so that we can be a city on a hill, be a blessing to others, and so that we can run the race set before us with our eyes on Jesus. But yet I also want to acknowledge that specifically, this will look out or play differently in each of your individual lives as well. So ask yourselves, ask yourselves, what is it that God is calling you to specifically step out in faith to go and do? Again, many of us hesitate here. We hesitate because we want to know how it ends. We hesitate because we want safety and we want comfort and and we want to be really sure that it'll be worth it before we sacrifice and leave something behind. But no, that's your unbelief speaking lies to you. If it's God's call, it will be worth it. If it's God's call, it will be worth it. We can take him at his word. And so while you might feel like you're stepping into the unknown, it's not unknown to God. He's gone before you, and he's prepared the way, and he will be with you in it. His future promises are just as good and sure as if he would have received it today. And so if he's calling you to go to a place he will show you, and he is, mark my words, he is, then go then go. Because whatever he's going to show you at the end is going to be glorious. As I'm writing this, I'm, I'm thinking about our very own Pastor Brad, who was called by God into ministry. I think he just ran downstairs. That's okay. He doesn't know I need, I'm talking about. He doesn't need to know I'm talking about him. But he was called by God into ministry. And so just last August, as most of you know, he left a very financially secure job to join our team here at the gate. He's getting paid way less, and it's only on a two-year term. So he has no idea what's next for him or if this is going to last. All so that he can serve God and serve you. So that he can be a blessing to us, to our youth and to the lost in this city and beyond. That's awesome faith from both him and his, and his wife, Charlene, right? To step into the unknown and to trust that God knows what's next, even if they don't. And so I know that just like Brad, just like Abraham, God has good plans for you too. 
And you might not know the end result or, or have the full picture, but the actual point is that he wants to make sure you know that he knows what it is. That is the point. He wants to make sure you know that he knows what it is. And so he wants to see faith. You wouldn't need much faith if he handed everything to you instantly and on a platter, would you? So this is part of what faith is, trusting him to lead us when we don't know where we're going. And so what is God calling you to do? What is God calling you to do? How is he calling you to be a blessing to others? What's his word speaking into your heart? In what ways are you being asked to step out in faith for the kingdom into something which God will show you? Whatever it is, maybe it's to go on a, a missions trip or join the prayer team or knock on your neighbor's door to share the gospel or maybe it's to give your life to Christ right now to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. Maybe it's to start a new career for his glory. Maybe it's to pack up your house and Go to a place he will show you. Whatever it is, grab a hold of the promise. Receive it like you've already attained it and go. Just as it says in Philippians 1.6, which I'll conclude with this morning. And it says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.